three simple rules that are not quite that simple, right? Uh, let me take a, a, a moment, if you will, of just uh, pastoral privilege um, to say thank you to our staff who, uh, y'all don't see it on a daily basis, but um, they, ha- they, they are a great team to work with, and over the last couple of days when I haven't felt well, uh, they have uh, prayed for me uh, and also been willing to change their schedules and do things uh, so that we could make sure that today happened, and so I just wanted y'all uh, to thank your staff, if you would. Remember them uh, in your prayers, and remember us as a leadership team in your prayers as well. Uh, So today we are continuing our sermon series, uh, Three Simple Rules. These are not rules that I have made up. Uh, These are rules that uh, John Wesley, who is the founder of Methodism, uh, after prayerfully um, considering Scripture, uh, looking and examining the church, uh, these are rules that he has that uh, he gave to the followers of Jesus Christ at that time to say, you know what, when you think about faith and you think about how you're going to live your faith, these are some bullet points or some guidelines uh, that you can go by. Um, because see, what John Wesley saw um, was a church. He wasn't trying to create a denomination. Je- John Wesley saw a church who were gathering and they were professing their faith. They were worshiping and praising God. They were doing what they could to, to lift God's name up. But yet they were not going out. And they weren't concerned about the people who were literally dying on the streets. And so what John Wesley saw was a disconnect between love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He saw a church that he saw that, were, that was able to separate those two commandments. And John Wesley did not think that those two commandments could be separated. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he, that's why he came up with these rules, was to, to help us. Um, to be more faithful in our discipleship. Um, And so last week, what we looked at was the first one, which was do no harm. Um, And if you'll remember, we talked a little bit about sometimes that's not quite as easy as we think, do no harm, because sometimes we're doing things that we think are good and we don't realize that they're really harming people. Uh, And so we have to invite God into that. We have to invite God in to show us those things and be willing to open ourselves up and do things different if it's causing harm to someone. Um, And even more of a challenge to us is to open ourselves up to say what would even, why would we harm people? Because often out of our own insecurities and our own pain and struggle is what gives us permission to, to harm others. And so we have to invite God in to bring about healing in us, right? That we have to invite God in to, to heal our hurts so that we don't want to harm other people. And so do no harm is the first rule. And so then John Wesley follows it very quickly from do no harm to the second rule, which is do good. Do good. A few months ago, actually, I ran into someone in a conversation here in Stockbridge, and we were talking about church. He didn't go to church. Uh, He told me that he had gone to church. He had been very active in 
not just one church, but multiple churches in Henry County, uh, and that he had left the church. He'd gotten fed up with the church. Now, you can imagine as a pastor, that always intrigues me, how you get fed up. And so he had been fed up with the church, and so I pushed him on that. What does that look like? And and he said, well, he had served in several churches. He had served on committees. He'd served uh, in administrative teams. And what his struggle was is that some of the people that he served with on these teams, some of the leaders in the church, that when he saw them out in the world, that they weren't quite living the way that they claimed when they were at those administrative meetings uh, and on Sunday morning. And so he saw this extreme disconnect, and he said, so I don't want, don't want any part of that experience. Now, my first thought, being honest, was please don't go to Stockbridge first. I mean, please that not that be one of the ones that you had been. So I did ask that question, and phew, thankfully he did say no. Um, but, But... I, I wanted him to understand first, you can't equate God with followers because we're going to mess it up. I hope you realize that. Um, but the second, the thing was, I said, but that's the challenge. You see, to me, the challenge is how do we embed faith in our hearts so that when we go into the world, we we're a better witness. It's one of our vows of the church, right? That we're going to, with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. How do we embed that into our heart? That's what I think John Wesley was struggling with. I think that's what John Wesley saw the church struggling with. And that was why he suggested these rules. Now, what John Wesley did from do good was he expanded that to this phrase that he would want all of us to know. And so I want to show you this this morning. This is what John Wesley's expansion of the second simple rule would be is do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can see John Wesley would want you to know that and put that in your heart so that you recognize when you walk out the door when you walk out these doors that there are people who are looking at you and they're watching you. They're watching the way you act. They're watching the way you talk. They're watching the way you post on social media. St. Francis of Assisi said this, you're the only gospel that some people will ever read. And it's true. So I want us to think about what does that mean for us. Because coming in here and worshiping, and lifting God up, and praising His name, and singing hymns, and pray. I hope you realize it should make a difference when you go in the world. It should make a difference in how you interact with the people that you work with. It should make a difference in the way you treat your family. It should make a difference in the way that you raise your children and your grandchildren. It should make a difference in the way that you interact with people at the grocery store. God should make a difference in our lives for us to be able to make a difference in the world. And so for us to really understand what he's trying to get us to come across, to to understand with these three simple rules, part of what we have to realize is we kind of have to go back and understand John Wesley's theology. We're not going to spend 
the entire morning, but yet in some ways we are because you want to stop and look and go, how does do good fit within John Wesley's theology? See, center or, or the cornerstone of John Wesley's theology is grace. Grace is the unmerited love of God. That grace, you, you can't do anything to deserve it. You can't do anything to earn it. You were created out of the love of God for the love of God. And that is grace. And he, and we, we talked about this this past summer, and, and some of you may remember these terms, some of you may not, but he believed that grace is existing in every moment of your life. And it begins with the prevenient grace of God. Do y'all remember that? The prevenient grace of God. It's the grace that goes before you, before you ever even understand that God loves you is the prevenient grace of God. That you, that God gives you this grace before you even are aware that God exists. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. You were made by God to be loved by God. That's good news this morning. You were made by God to be loved by God. And this 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 amazing gift that you are given. And the prevenient grace goes, God is always wooing you. God is always leading you to understand this. And then, according to Wesley's theology, is there comes a point in time in your life where you recognize it. This would be the awakening, or what we would call justifying grace, the second point of Wesley's theology would be that we have this aha moment. This is when you accept that gift. This is when you realize, and this is an important thing, this is when you realize that God doesn't just love the world. God loves me. God didn't just come for the world. God came for me. God didn't just die on the cross for the world. God God died on the cross for me. That's my aha moment. It's when we become justified in our faith. Look at what it says in Romans 3. But now God's righteousness has been revealed apart from the law, which is confirmed by the law and the prophets. God's righteousness comes through the faithfulness of Christ Jesus for all who have faith in him. There's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory, but all are treated as righteous freely by his grace because of a ransom that was paid by Christ Jesus. See, we're meant, when we have that aha moment, you're meant to walk in this door and never take it for granted. You're meant to walk in this door, and you're meant to see that cross, and you're meant to think, wow. He did that for me. Every time you walk in the door, you need to look up and realize that. He did that for me. And when we recognize that, we can then begin to say yes to God 
And we go through this process of transformation. And this awakening can happen at any point in our lives. This aha moment can happen in a sudden moment or long-standing experience with God. But when we have the awakening, then we are compelled as followers of Christ to go into the world and make a difference. We are, we are called and we are responsible to go into the world. Faith and good works go hand in hand as followers of Jesus Christ. We don't do good works because we want to earn salvation, but we do good works as a response to the fact that God has, been, has given me a gift of salvation. And we're not excused from that. This grace that we experience... See, for Wesley, then you come back and you realize that Wesley thought that we experienced grace in multiple ways, particularly in sacraments, um, in baptism, and in Holy Communion. Today, we're going to get to celebrate Holy Communion. It means we get to experience the grace of God in that moment. Baptism. I remember one time early in ministry that... We had a young man, probably late teens, early 20s. He was very involved in addiction, and he had had an aha moment. He realized God loved him, and he accepted that gift, and he wanted to be baptized. And I remember getting ready to put him into the immersion tank. We talked for just a moment, and before I did it, he looked at me, and we had that on the microphone because it was such a great question. He looked at me and he said, is this going to work? And so I baptized him. And he came out of the baptismal pool crying. And he said, I feel free for the first time in my life. That's grace. That's the, the, the freedom. That, that, that's God breaking through in that moment, it's God breaking through in the world. See, we look and think about, oh, Jesus, the, 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 for the birth of Christ, is God breaking into the world. That's a moment where God breaks into that man's world. That's the grace of God. Communion is the same way. See, we, I love our theology of, of open table that, that everybody, you don't have to be a member of Stockbridge First United Methodist Church to receive communion. You don't, you don't have to be a member. You don't have to be a believer. What we, what we say is that the table is open for all who desire to grow in that relationship with God. And for some people, when you walk down and receive communion, you may be having a moment of prevenient grace that God is ahead of you and you may not even know yet what it is. For some of you, it may be your aha moment where you're experiencing the justification and justifying grace. And for many of us, it's a moment of sanctifying grace. But in that moment, what I believe every single one of you, when you come down and receive communion, it's a moment of grace. It's God breaking in that moment. All of those are moments of grace. Somebody asked me one time at this church, they didn't come on communion Sundays. And in talking to them and having the conversation, they said, well, they didn't come on communion Sundays because their life was a mess. And I said to them, 
That's why you should come on Communion Sunday. My life's a mess. And my life's a mess, and I come and receive communion, and God offers me forgiveness, and God offers me grace, and God offers me mercy in that moment. Let me tell you, if you sit here today and you think, well, you know what, I'm, my life's really, really good, and I deserve communion, it probably becomes a very superficial ritual. Because what you've got to realize is our lives are a mess. When we compare our life to Jesus Christ, we're a mess. And so communion is God breaking through in that moment. But see, John Wesley didn't think that it just happened at baptism and communion. He also thought that God's grace became available when you did acts of mercy. When you went and served your neighbor. If you go and read John's account of uh, of, of the Last Supper, it says that he washed his disciples' feet before communion. And many times what you see Jesus doing is going and serving other people. And when you experience those moments, often what you hear the people who are the recipients of you serving them is they experience God's grace in that moment as well. And so I would challenge you to stop and look at your life And look at how you're able to do acts of mercy. Because here's what you notice when you begin to do them. Is God's grace just sneaks up on you. Now I told you last week when we got here. Got back from our mission trip. That um, we had a lot of powerful moments in our mission trip. And so we wanted to put together a short video for y'all to see a little bit. Of what happened as we served other people. So y'all check out this video. And I tell you, the watching, and I'm sure everybody else is on the mission team, watch that video, and it takes you right back there. Um, and what you don't realize, and if you've ever been on a mission trip, is that pales into the reality of the moments of grace you see when you serve other people. We went into the villages. Um, one of the things that was really amazing to us was when we say the villages, they're the Bates, and they are slave villages. Uh, slavery existed in the Dominican Republic until 2005. And so we would go into the villages uh, where the Haitian slaves lived, and we would go and serve them, and, and we would feed them. Um, one day we pulled into a village, and they told us about a starving man that was in the village. And they went to get him. And so he came walking into the church where we were going to serve, and he had dressed up, put his suit on. And he was literally starving to death. You could see it in his face. And he began to weep. And you know that just in that moment, at least he's going to have food for a couple more days. And it changes you. There were kids who, under the age of three or four, that just, no way to say it other than they ran around naked because they don't have diapers. And so these kids would come to vacation Bible school, kind of freak you out for a minute. Uh, and they, but they would sit and they, but here's the thing is you had all these kids 
you gave them a crayon and some and some coloring sheets, and they would kneel, and they kneeled on the knees and sat on the and, and kneeled on the pews if they had pews to color their picture. And while they did it, they spontaneously broke out into praise songs about God. And it was another moment of grace that you realize. These children, while they have nothing, they don't even have clothes to wear, they don't have a diaper to put on, and yet they are thankful and joyful. And it changes you. You see grace. You see, God's grace is bigger than anything that we can imagine. And it's bigger than anything that we have ever seen. And Wesley understood grace doesn't just stop at justification, that the rest of your life, you go through a period of sanctification. And that's the third part of his theology is this sanctification. And it's not a straight line. I hope you realize that because probably your experience is the same as his. It's kind of one of those up and down patterns. You take two steps forward and you take one step back. That we, we go through ups and we go through downs in our process of growing to be more like Christ. And so... For Wesley, you go through this process of being perfected, and you spend your rest of your life doing that. And so you become more perfect, or you become more perfected when you're driving down 75, and somebody cuts you off, and you don't express to them a hand gesture. Instead, you stop and you go, maybe they're having a worse day than I am. And you become perfected when you go into your homes and you're struggling in your relationships and you say, you know what? I'm not going to speak ill. I'm going to speak positive words and I'm going to offer forgiveness to my spouse or my significant other or my children or my grandchildren. And you become perfected. You grow in your sanctification. You grow in your more Christ-likeness when you see somebody post something on Facebook and you want to respond and you choose not to. And you become more and more like Christ. How many of you ever remember rock tumblers? Anybody remember those? A few of you that had rock tumblers. They were, they were these uh, barrels that you put rocks in, and then you put a little bit of water in it. But then you had to put grit in. And then you shook it up, and then at the end, you would take out, and your rocks would be so pretty. Do you know what polished your rocks? The grit. And so for Wesley, a life of growing in Christ, the, the things that we go through in our life are the grit. They're the things that help us become more and more like Christ. When you have those moments in your life and you say, you know what, I just can't take it anymore. God, you've got to help me. That's when God can actually start working. Let me show you what it says in John chapter 13. Verses 34 through 35, it says, I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you must also love each other. This is how everyone will know you are my disciples, when you love each other. Sanctification happens our whole life, every single day. Every single day we have the opportunity to follow this new commandment, to love each other, and then what it becomes is we become a witness to the world. We show them what is different in the kingdom of God. More heaven on earth, right? That's what we pray for, more heaven on this earth. 
it's our response to the gift that God has given us. It's the ability to go and do good and to love other people. And so the question I think that we have to really struggle with and ask ourselves is what's our motive? What's your motive for doing good? Because if you're like me, there are days where you do good for the wrong reason. I do good because I want somebody to notice me. I do good because I want somebody to say positive words to me. I do good because I want um, to, to win or to be better. Very competitive side. I have it, don't I, Debbie? Uh, I have a very competitive side. And so sometimes, there's, sometimes I'm wanting to do good for the wrong reason. And here's the thing is when you really start challenging yourself of why you're trying to do good, if you realize that your motive is for the wrong reason, in my instances, in my experiences, most of the time when I examine that, it's because I am disconnected from God. But when I pray to God, when I pray and become intimate with God, I realize that my reason and motivation for doing good is a response to the fact of what God has done for me. Doing good should only be our response to God's love and God's gift. Nothing more, nothing less. Pure and simple. And we do it, we find that we have the ability to be a blessing to other people. One of the things that helps me in those moments is to think about all the people that have poured grace into my life. That I wouldn't be here today, I wouldn't be here as a preacher today if people had not poured grace into my life. And I have the opportunity to pour it into every one of you. And I have opportunities to help you and empower you to go and pour it into other people. We do it as a response to God. John Wesley lived till he was 89 years old. You don't know what he was doing the day before he died? The day before he died, he was doing what he did every day. He was feeding the homeless, the needy. At 89 years old, he was giving soup and bread to those who needed. And then he went home, laid his head on a pillow, and he went to full glory and perfection. See, my prayer is that today you do experience the grace of God. And that the Holy Spirit pours in you his grace, and that you respond in his grace, and you go show grace. You go do good every single day from this day forward. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, we come as people with messed up lives. Lord, there are some of us who walked in the door today and we, we are broken. We are in that place where we know that we cannot move forward without you. What a blessing to be there. I pray, God, for each person who finds themselves in that moment 
And I pray that they can turn to you. They can feel your freedom, your grace, your love in their life right this moment. For others of us, Lord, we, we might be in a place where, where we feel confident. But help us to not be confident in ourselves. Help us to not be confident in our church. Help us to be confident in you. And bold in our faith because of your faithfulness. Help us, God, to, to feel your grace this morning. And help all of us to respond in a way that because we appreciate the gift that you have given us, we are going to go in the world and do the good things that you have created us to do from the beginning of time. And we will give you the praise and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.